Hey guys, this is Allison from the Recovery Coach Podcast. Recovery coaching is a proven and effective tool for supporting individuals on their journey towards a healthier, more fulfilling life. Also known as Peer Support Specialist, a recovery coach assists clients in creating a plan of action, finding resources, and building a strong support network. Whether you are actively pursuing freedom from addiction, an eating disorder, anxiety, depression, or other mental and behavioral health conditions, a recovery coach provides the structure and accountability needed to change your narrative and live your best life. At The Recovery Coach, our certified peer support specialists offer both in-person and virtual sessions. For more information, please visit us online at therecoverycoachatl.com. And now, without further ado, here's The Recovery Coach Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Recovery Coach Podcast, where we focus on person-centered recovery, peer support, and all the recovery things. My name is Seth Harris, and I'm joined, as always, by... Allison Broderick. Hey, Seth. Hey. Please, please, please let us know what we're talking about today. Well, first of all, it cannot be missed that this is our 10th episode. There's a lot of people here with us. Apologize if it got really loud. <laughs> right. We could do a live. We will. There's a lot of people that do that, you know? Yeah. They have a crowd. Maybe one day. Yeah. But it really is right now. Just me, you, and your muffins. <laughs> Snacks are appropriate. <laughs> Snacks are encouraged while podcast recording. <laughs> so, I was thinking... A great topic is, will I ever have fun again? Again, as in after something happened? So many of us, or let me just personalize it, when I was not in recovery, for me, an active addiction, I somehow believed that I was having fun. And therefore, and stepping foot into recovery was scary I just found myself asking, am I ever going to have fun again? In my mind, it begs the question, will I ever have fun in the first place? Yeah. Maybe there's some people out there that would say, yeah, I don't think I've ever had fun in my entire life. Yeah. My life has been awful. Anything but fun. There's definitely a lot of places we could take that. That's, to me, more of the victim mentality is, well, I've never really had fun. Or it's conditional fun, but not that free open space which i believe is joy Mm. you know think about it enjoy the word i enjoy certain activities well i am in joy Joy. play on words no i like that that definitely it's opportunity for my favorite word perspective tell me about how you came to this this thinking in terms of the topic today was there anything in particular or were you reflecting on something from your past or Oh, I've got plenty of stories. <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> you know, I don't, people may tune out and come back later. Hey, I love no, storytelling. Totally engaged. <laughs> Story time is good. To answer your question, I came to this topic not because of a particular event, 
However, I think over the last eight, nine episodes, we've covered some pretty hefty material. Anything from surrender to resentment and forgiveness, changing our story. All great topics, but hey, lighten what up, about lighten fun? Up. Lighten up. Lots of people lighten up a little bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> may not get our, there probably are plenty of jokes riddled throughout. Oh, yeah. But we may not. I think we're hilarious. We may not, may not get our arson seeking. <laughs> right. I can completely understand this topic is, is kind of cool because it's a thought that I definitely had. I think a lot of people have, especially if you're, you know, getting drunk all the time and doing all kinds of partying or what people perceive to be fun. Not that that's the only stuff that people recover from, which I think our audience understands by now that we're in congruence with that. But there is a sense of, am I giving up the thing that's helping me think I have my life on my own terms, under control, mm-hmm. or getting what I want? And that would be a much deeper conversation, I guess, about, am I ever really in control? Is this stuff really bringing me contentment? Do I really find satisfaction in some of this behavior? I think that a lot of people who struggle especially with what maybe you turned like addiction, would tell you, I don't really have a choice. But I think that there's more of a fear there that's like, well, if I give this stuff up, what's my go-to going to be? And it goes right back to the last episode. If I give this thing up, then who am I? Exactly. Because it does become our identity. We allow it to become our identity at least. So I think that's definitely something that there are listeners to maybe consider, right? Am I no longer going to be in control of my outcomes? Am I willing to let go of let life happen as it may? Am I willing to experience things in a different way? Just to kick into it, yeah, like, am I going to be able to go to a concert again? Am oh, I ever going to be able to go so out with people again? Am I ever going to be able to do social activities, go to the beach, watch a football game? Oh, yeah. You know, all this stuff that we might perceive as fun. And I remember early on being scared to death of that. I was terrified and I don't know if I've shared it in a past episode so at the time when I got sober and into recovery I was 31 years old and my son was seven at the time he's 19 now I remember going up to another woman at a recovery meeting I was five days sober And she just seemed like maybe a safe person that I could just kind of let it all out. And I remember asking her, oh my gosh, like, how am I ever going to have fun again? Like, what about summer barbecues and pool parties? And what about my son's wedding in 25 years? (laughs) And it, it was so helpful because... You know, using some hand gestures, she went, shh, it's just for today. Just for the second, just for this moment. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. I am doing it at five days. It's one thing to also maybe ponder what does bring you joy? What does bring you happiness? What do you consider to be fun? And maybe make a list of those things. This is a great exercise that you could do. And sometimes I'll even recommend this kind of thing with some of the guys that I'm working with. Take a look at that list and then flip it around and say, okay, why are these things on my list? 
I'll have them do like a, a, a pseudo bucket list. Yeah. Like I always talk, I'm not trying to be morbid, but just make a bucket list because it's a lot more authentic when you have that mindset about these kind of things than like, please put down your one-year goals and your five-year goals and your 10-year yeah. goals and be prepared for class. When right, you. right. They And I don't even give them parameters and what these guys come up with and then to turn around and say, why is this stuff on your list? To kind of tie that back, when the first time I went to a concert when I was sober, because mm-hmm. I love music, and a lot of part of the reason I love music is because it connects to the way I was raised, and my family always like, especially my mother always showing me music and playing music for me. The people I was around when I was, you know, coming of age, they were all about music, so that it connects to my experiences, but just the spiritual level to which it can take me yeah. if I let it. So the first time I went to a concert sober, I was really distracted because everybody else is just kind of doing what people do at concerts, you know, drinking, you know, having a good old time. And doing what you probably once did. Once did. And even some behaviors that I was thinking, did I used to act like that? Yeah. But that surely wasn't me because when I was out there, people loved being around me. Right, right, right. They were were like, I can't (laughs) wait to get some more time with this guy. But I took somebody with me who was also sober. Awesome. And was able to experience not being alone in that moment. There is also a really common thing for some people who may not know about it that's called like yellow balloon groups. So most bands, uh, or at least a lot of bands that I'm aware of, have fan bases that are sober or choosing to go to shows without using drugs and alcohol. And they will set up a table or a gathering space and you can look for yellow balloons that are tied up somewhere and that means we're safe people that you can hang out with i know a big widespread panic fan there's a whole group of sober fans that keep in touch with each other on social media and when they go to a show you can go to the table you can say hey to them there's support there if you need it but then they have a meeting during there's two sets the band will usually play they'll have a meeting right there in like the lobby or around around the crowd in the middle of the two yeah sets. so it just takes it to another level that's powerful i mean i remember not long ago seth you had sent our team a photo of the widespread panic concert you had attended and it was so powerful because i didn't know anything about this yellow balloon group and so what i noticed amongst the yellow balloons in the crowd all of you were in the center of the photo at least and probably the venue and maybe all around you you've got the usual suspects partying hard and drinking and drugging and sex drugs rock and roll and then in the center of that photo is life it was powerful yeah, and I always love in that particular picture that there is joy and smiles on the faces of the people that are in the meeting. And to go back to what we're talking about here, right, they're definitely having a good time. It's authentic. Yeah. And I would share the photo with everybody, but it's anonymity would probably keep me from oh, yeah. being comfortable with that. But authentic, good time, real fun. Mm-hmm. And I'll share this when I'm at a show and I'm in a meeting. I feel like I'm fully present. I feel like I'm fully experiencing the music, the crowd, the ambiance, the people around me. It will speak to me in a totally different way than before. And I think it's because I'm making myself available to the life moments that are coming at me as opposed to trying to create them yeah. around me. Instead of manipulating the whole experience. You know, 
This really ties in with uh, substance use. However, it can be, you know, insert whatever you might be in recovery for. But for me, and I believe many of us, fun, even as a little girl, what did it include? It included connecting with others. It's so much better to laugh with someone than alone. Now, don't get me wrong. I encourage laughing alone. It's so good. If you're not getting my joke, then sorry. (laughs) Well, even in my own home with no one there but the two dogs, like, I love to laugh. But it's so much better shared. And there's this proverb that says, joy shared is double joy. Pain shared is half pain. Mm. With substance use, for me at least, towards the end, the last few years of my active addiction, yes, alcohol and even other substances, it worked in the sense that it numbed out. Like it helped me to numb out the pain. What it also did is it numbed the joy. Mm -hmm. It numbed the laughter. Mm-hmm. and the light. And so we learn, discover how to have fun first and foremost. You know, we have to go through the discomfort before we discover our likes and our dislikes. But on the flip of that, that's the beauty of of recovery. We also go through pain without the anesthetic of whatever our drug of choice might be. Yeah, you'll hear folks say when they are struggling with long-term substance use and even people that have, let's say, paralyzing you know, mental health struggles, just say, like, I just want to feel again. Like, I, I'm, I'm tired of being numb, feeling numb. You know, in a lot of cases, we do the numbing on purpose because we're trying to block out the things we don't want, mm-hmm. and we psych ourselves into thinking, like, oh, well, this is... This is a this solution. Is, this is what I want. I think that there is a a joy, like you mentioned, that we get from that connection. It's, it's fun to do things with others. We're kind of wired for that. We had a whole connection episode where we sort of talked about this. But I get a joy from having others in mind or maybe doing giving of myself for others, having that contribution. When you feel like you're showing up for the people that you care about or you're doing something that, that will make them happy or that will bring them some kind of sense of love or contentment i think that that's fun yeah and i'm not doing that if i'm too busy trying to get my way and do what i want to do and Mm -hmm. avoid all this other stuff it's an obstacle to that so my definition of fun has certainly evolved even from that day number five when i was freaking out about my son's wedding and 25 years you know my definition even in my recovery of fun has changed because I have experienced new activities and new adventures and new people there's a depth of what fun can be and what it can look like I'll share this story it's a personal story maybe I was a three years into my sobriety, my recovery, and I was meeting with my sponsor from a 12-step fellowship. And she and I were meeting at 
5.30 in the morning at a local coffee shop. And I had plenty to share with her. We see each other, give each other hugs, kind of talk maybe about the weather for like five seconds. I just went right into it. And I have a tendency to dramatize and catastrophize. (laughs) I'm sitting here just, what about this? And what about that? And what if? And what if this happens? And future tripping really is how we explain it in recovery. And similar to that woman at day five who told me, shh, my sponsor, she acknowledged that life is painful. Life is hard. Adulting is hard. We have a lot of heavy content in our everyday that we must sift through. Sadly, many of us, whether we're in recovery or not, miss the lightheartedness, the laughter. It doesn't have to always be so serious. And that helped me tremendously. Like, yeah, we have heavy stuff that we think about, that we manage, or whatever it may be. Sometimes, I'm going to say oftentimes, I have to literally visualize myself placing the heavy stuff on a table, on a shelf, and just keeping it light. Try to keep in mind that I am not in charge, so why am I always trying to be in charge? There's a great line I'll share with my guys sometimes that says, if it's out of your hands, it deserves freedom from your mind, too. I don't know if you've ever seen those diagrams where it's like a really big circle, and inside the big circle, it says things that could happen, and then there's a smaller circle inside there. Things that might happen inside of there is another smaller circle. Things I have control over. Right. (laughs) I mean... And some of that is hard. Talk about recovery being how to deal with life problems. Separating recovery from sobriety. Sobriety is more of a result. Well, I think sobriety is kind of the top of the iceberg or like right at the water's surface Depending on what you're struggling with. Yeah, but then you dive deeper. The recovery iceberg has got a lot more to it. But no, it's true. How am I going to be okay with not being okay? Yeah. Right? I think if we step back from that, don't try and make our life all about chasing our diagnosis or checking off the boxes or having our to-do list. Or getting fixed, even like someone to fix us. Fixing somebody else. I mean, there's just so many different ways, you know, that we can devote all our time and attention. Am I finally going to get into a place where I'm operating like that and continue to grow in that mindset and that recovery thinking? building my recovery capital in such a way where I can say I have finally gotten around to the life that I had always put on hold, Mm -hmm. right? Breaking free of these limitations that we put on ourselves, being okay with whatever the day might bring, making the most out of it, trying to have a sense of humor along the way, and knowing that not only is is everybody not thinking about me as much as I think that they are, But I have the opportunity to be mindful of what other people have going on. And so we all got stuff. Let's have some fun in the process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when when I'm working with others, whether it's uh, clients, peers, other women in my 12-step fellowship, I'll ask them, when is the last time you enjoyed or experienced a belly laugh? You know that deep guttural it's coming from your diaphragm, your gut kind of laugh. Yes. Like, 
tickled beyond recognition. Uh, to, to the point where you're in tears, or maybe you should have people, put on a diaper. Or the, people, or the people around you are looking at you like, do I need to like maybe call somebody? Get <laughs> and most of the time, if not all of the time, in my experience, is they have to think about that. They have to really take a pause and can't offer any real response because it's been that long. Even when we're talking about short-term goals with those whom we work, long-term goals, bucket list items, all of that, it's okay that I don't know much about myself in early recovery. Shoot, I don't know much about myself today. I'm learning. (laughs) I'm teachable. But that's okay. The thing is, I have to go through these experiences of concerts or maybe something I've never even tried before but kind of thought that would be cool. I have to go through it a few times to see if I even enjoy it. And it's okay for me to say, nah, not for me, but I'm glad I tried. I'm really big on the curiosity thing, saying there's a potential for everything to be an adventure. Maybe just because I don't know everything means that I have the opportunity to grow. Maybe I can be introduced to something new. I, yeah, I will encourage guys, plug in wherever, right? You, you don't have to do things the way you've always done them. You don't have to do things just because other people tell you to do them. They may be some good advice givers, and they may be some people might be worth listening to. So there's that. But just because it's somebody's suggestion doesn't mean it's a requirement. This goes back to what we've talked about in last episode, that you can change your story. I've always encouraged guys to think beyond the limitations of the culture that you grew up in or the mindset that is promoted around you. Surround yourself with new things, new opportunities. Learn what works best for you. Have experiences. Get out there and be adventurous. That in and of itself can be kind of a high and kind of a rush because you're no longer trying to safeguard every little well, niche of your life. Yeah, you're empowered. You realize, wow, I have a choice today. And trying new activities or trying out someone else's suggestion oftentimes is not going to be a one and done type of thing. Even in recovery, someone who might come to me and say, well, I am not doing X, Y, and Z. I like to get curious, like you just said, Seth. Okay, tell me why. And I might ask them to keep an open mind, have an open heart, and give it a shot. But give it a few shots. Suspend your judgment. Yeah, open-mindedness, willingness. Those are some of the indispensables. Yeah. They're talked about often amongst people in recovery. Even if I had been able to have everything work out exactly like I wanted to, which I can't and wouldn't, I don't know that I would give up what the result is now in letting it happen on its own finally being present in our lives i want to share an example that i had seen posted online i remember early in recovery i had come to this conclusion that they were things that i technically had to do mainly because i had some legal stuff but you know just to early sobriety early recovery things that i have to do in order to get from a to b or or however that path is going to turn out But I could choose to think about them as things that I get to do. Mm -hmm. So moving from a gotta do to a get to do kind of thing. But let me share this guy's example here. He's talking about, and I'll I'll just read it. It is really in the little things that make the most impact today. I took the family out to a new ice cream place after dinner. 
As we were enjoying the eats and each other's company, I was watching my 14-year-old and 11-year-old sons giggling with their 3-year-old sister. My wife looked over and said, thank you. Three years ago, you wouldn't have dreamed of taking us out for ice cream on a Friday night. And he goes on to talk about how he had struggled with a lot of drug use, alcohol, gone to detox, been into treatment, been in the hospitals, been in the jail, trying for years and years to get what he called sober. And he says this, Sobriety has given me every worthwhile thing in my life today. And externally, not much has changed, but internally, I could not be more different than I was. Mm -hmm. Seeing things differently, showing up for people, showing up for your own life. Having that opportunity to participate. To get to. Mm -hmm. To get to participate. Yeah, that is it. You know, it's more than being present because even that it's like, okay, so I'm present. How do I do that? (laughs) Give me like a, you know, top five ways to be present list and I'll be able to master that. And really, it's not only what we gain, it's also what we lose what I lost was and I will make this negative an obsession Mm. a pre-contemplation a gotta have or else it was all about me it was all about the next drunk all about the awful hangover that's not present Amen. And I got to share a belly laughter story. Yeah, well, you know they say in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous that we are not a glum lot. We are not a glum lot. It's my favorite, one of my favorites. <laughs> in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, let me read this, page 132 of the fourth edition. It says, We have been speaking to you of serious, sometimes tragic things. We have been dealing with alcohol in its worst aspect. But we are not a glum lot. If newcomers could see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. They're attracted to our belly laughter together. It helps you take your mind off yourself. That's what is it? Rule sixty-two. Don't take yourself so serious. Yeah, that's so true. I know there's true. a rule about not taking yourself serious. That is so true. And I love that it's like rule. sixty-two. Like what? <laughs> it's a made-up rule. There's stories about that. If you guys want to go uh, try to figure out the the reasoning behind rule sixty-two, we'll challenge you to that. Yes. But don't take yourself too seriously. When you have the opportunity to have fun, again, it can take your mindset to another place. It can help you shift your perspective. Getting involved in activities. Getting involved in what somebody else is up to. Taking your mind off of how hard some of this stuff can be. Yeah. You may find a solution in the moments that you're not looking for. Yeah, that's so true. Seek and you shall find. And my final story, as we wrap it up, I was in a recovery meeting. This was about five years into my recovery. It was Thanksgiving week. So it hadn't come yet for that year, but... This woman shared a story and she was recalling a time several years prior when it was Thanksgiving and she was still drinking at that time. And she said the Wednesday evening before Thanksgiving that Thursday, she was doing all the cooking 
kind of a martyr type of mentality, you know, like, oh, this is all falling on me, but then wouldn't delegate it to anyone else. And so, of course, she did what most of us brilliant alcoholics or problem drinkers, what we often will do is drink while we cook, of course. So she said she was doing the drinking, she was doing the cooking. She passed out that night, I guess, came to the next morning, family's coming over, and all of a sudden she can't find the turkey. The turkey is nowhere. And they looked high and low for the dang turkey. Never found the turkey. (laughs) So they had Thanksgiving sans turkey. Okay. Which I'm sure was was still lovely. It was a vegan Thanksgiving. Part and this was where I belly laughed like I've never belly laughed before. She said a week later she was doing laundry. <laughs> she opened up the dryer and there, lo and behold, was the turkey. Looks like an oven. <laughs> it does look like hey, we were all laughing, roaring in that room because a we can relate to the drinking part and b it does look like an oven yeah i've either done it thought about it or i'm capable of it (laughs) i'm definitely capable of it and that's when i realized gosh you can have such better fun in recovery amen fully experiencing the life opportunities that are before you as i like to say maximize your experience opportunities Yes. In other words, seek out ways where you can lean in, be curious, grow, and, and have enjoy. a little fun in the process. Yeah, enjoy. Well, thank you all so much for always listening, checking us out, telling folks, encouraging us, subscribing, all that good stuff. We love you, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>